0: The human body and the vessel that we have, the spirit and soul that we have, may not have the vessel to contain the amount of information we're taking in. There's a way to have the best of technology, but also have a soundness and a sustainability to it from a human health and human relationship health standpoint. It's hard to eat intuitively when your body is in a storm of inflammation. We need to shift our paradigm. To our relationship with food and our relationship with our body and the relationship with ourselves. My goal is just to continue to be a vessel for what I'm supposed to be doing in this lifetime.
1: This is my guest, Dr. Will Cole. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to the Woken Wired podcast. I'm your host, Ksenia Avdulova. And as you may have noticed on Instagram, I've changed around some names. And now the Woken Wired podcast handle will be just Woken Wired. It's a place for all things expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship, including online programs and other tools that I will be offering very soon. And my personal handle is now my name, xenia.avdulova. Still trying to see if I can buy something like This is Ksenia from a teenager in Russia. We'll see. Did you know you could do that? You can actually reach out to people on Instagram, DM them, the ones who have your handle, and offer them to buy it from them. I know a lot of people who this has worked for. I'm still working on it, so stay tuned. But for now, it's just my name. The reason I'm sharing it is because I love... When you take screenshots of the episodes you're listening to, or maybe screenshot of yourself listening to it, or something that's in front of you or outside your window, and share your takeaways, and share how you are going to take action, because it's one thing to be inspired and educated and motivated, but it's a whole other thing to take action on it, and I really strongly believe that taking action on those intuitive hits is what strengthens our connection with that divine guidance that's always there leading us in our lives, in our businesses, on our spiritual paths. Today, my guest is a return guest. It's Dr. Will Cole, who was previously on Woken Wired earlier this year, and the episode was a big hit. We talked about his book, Ketotarian. We talked about the concept of you can't heal a body you hate. This is something I ended up sharing as a quote several times on the Breakfast Criminals account, and it seems to have resonated with so many of you. We also talked about staying in your own lane and being so aligned in your work that you don't get distracted by what others are doing. So if any of this speaks to you, definitely go back to episode 36 with Dr. Will Cole. It's a really, really good one. Definitely one of my favorites. So who is Dr. Will Cole? He's a leading functional medicine expert who consults people around the world. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole has been named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation, and he's a health expert for MindBodyGreen. I met him at the MindBodyGreen Revitalize Summit and Goop as well. He is also the co-host of Goop Fellows Podcast, and he's the author of the upcoming book, The Inflammation Spectrum, in which he explores how inflammation exists on a spectrum within the body, the various systems it can affect, and how you can discover your individual food triggers to overcome chronic inflammation. Besides talking about inflammation in this episode, we dive pretty deep into digital well-being and how big of a role it plays in our overall health and how it is a legit part of functional medicine. We also talk about intuitive eating, the different projects and products that Dr. Wolkholz is working on, and we also talk about bioindividuality and how not all health foods are healthy for everyone. One of the recipes that we demystify is actually bulletproof coffee, which I'm a huge fan of. So if you're curious, definitely keep listening to the end. That's when we get into that. Before I invite Dr. Wilco on, I wanted to share with you something that recently changed my life. If you've been listening to this podcast long enough, and if you follow me on my Breakfast Criminals account, you know that I love biohacking. I love finding routines and products that help you feel more optimized, like you, but stronger and more clear and focused. And ever since we moved into the tiny cabin, I have been upgrading my life and my office more than ever. Okay, so a few months ago, I was at the house of Susie Batiz, who was a guest on this show. She's a founder of Poopery and she is on the Forbes list of America's richest self made women. And at her house, I discovered this fun looking chair that is bouncing. So it bounces forward, it bounces to the side, it bounces back and up and down. And it really piqued my curiosity. I was like, well, if a person that is this successful and this conscious and this mindful is using this chair, there must be something to it. So I found out the name of the chair. I did a ton of research. And alongside doing the research, I also realized that there is a ton of research showing the link between long periods of sitting and health issues. And yeah, the exercise can prevent health issues, but it doesn't reverse harmful effects of too much sitting. So I thought about it. I thought about it. I did more research. And then I pulled the trigger and I bought the swapper chair. And I gotta tell you, It really changed everything for me because I sit quite long times editing videos, recording podcasts, editing podcasts, creating content, editing photos, and my body tends to get quite stiff. And even if I set alarms to get up, which I forget to do most of the time, and even though I start my day with mindful movement, usually at least five to ten minutes of yoga or another exercise, my body would still get really stiff. And after about two weeks of sitting on the bouncy swapper chair, I swear my core felt stronger and tighter and more fit. And at the end of the day, I didn't feel drained anymore. I actually felt energized. Since then, I feel like I've been telling everyone about swapper and the magic of having a bouncing ergonomic chair. And I reached out to swapper and I said, hey, guys, I absolutely love what you do. Let's figure out a way to work together. So we did, and they were so generous to offer me a 20% discount code for my community, and that's the best discount code that you can find out there on the internet, and it applies to any of the products they have. I also ended up getting the 3D chair, which is the one with the lumber support, the chair with the back that they have. And I usually switch to that one in the afternoon or when I just have very long periods of sitting to edit a YouTube video or do something like that. But if you want to start somewhere, I highly recommend getting the regular swapper chair and experience the magic of it for yourself. Health disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. These are the things I learned from the swapper team and their website. Sitting on the swapper chair might improve your posture, Relieve back pain and improve lymphatic flow, which is the same reason why rebounders are so good. And I have one. And Tony Robbins actually uses one when he does the marathons of leading those big events that he does to keep his whole body oxygenated and nourished. So, if you're called to add more movement to your life without quitting your job and making other crazy changes, then I highly recommend you check out the Swapper Chair. Go to SwapperUSA.com and when you purchase your chair, use the code BREAKFASTCRIMINALS to get a very generous 20% off. And tag me with the chair that you get. I'd love to see you on it and post all the stories. And if you actually want to see what it looks like in my home, head over to the Breakfast Criminals Instagram account because I just posted it last night. Okay, so if you're ready to biohack your workday and also burn 500 extra calories a day while you sit, and hey, I'm not into calorie counting, I'm not into diets, to me it just symbolizes an output of energy that otherwise would not be there. And if you're ready to just feel stronger and leaner and less stiff at the end of your workday, then go to SwapperUSA.com, use code Criminals, get your 20% off and get bouncing. Here's Dr. Wilco. All right, Dr. Wilco, take two. Welcome back to Woken Wired.
0: Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this. I told you last time, and I mean it. And I'll say it again: one of the best conversations on a podcast I've ever had was with my first interview on your show.
1: Well, not to set the bar too high, <laughs> we'll just let this flow. Yeah. So I'm noticing there's a new thing on your Instagram bio. There's a couple of new things, actually, but the first one that I want to bring up is the Goop Fellas podcast.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it's Goop Fellas for people that don't know about it, but it is a, a podcast that I do with Seamus Mullen, a, a friend of mine. He's a world class chef, and Goop is the wellness brand. I'm sure most of your listeners know this already, but it's a very big wellness brand that Gwyneth Paltrow started uh, years ago. And the main Goop podcast is hosted by Gwyneth Paltrow and Elise Lunen, who's the chief content officer at Goop. Uh, So they came to Seamus and I and said, hey, what do you guys think of this concept of giving a guy's perspective life transformation and kind of bringing guys into the goop world to let them know, hey, this is stuff that applies to guys, that appeals to guys, and really should not be gender specific anyways, when you're talking about elevating your life and bettering your life. So we're talking about life transformations and addiction and anxiety and you know mental health issues and wellness and health and a lot of cool experts, like experts in their field. We are just really focusing on experts coming up, but we've also had actors and musicians and really cool people telling their story about their life transformation. The goal is for the listener of the podcast to get tools to empower them in their own life transformation.
1: That's so cool. And I totally agree with you. I feel like a lot of the times you go to a wellness event, a wellness conference, a workout, and it's usually 90% women at those events. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing by bringing in the men into the conversation. So aside from that, how's podcasting?
0: It's funny that my day job is consulting patients. We see patients around the world online and that's my jam. Like I love it. I live and breathe functional medicine and consulting patients. So this is definitely outside of my comfort zone. It's been expanding for me, which is good. But I co-hosted a a smaller podcast for about two years, but it was about functional medicine stuff. It was called Keto Talk. We're taking a little bit of a break right now. Jimmy Moore, my co-host, is taking a sabbatical right now. So it allowed me to in addition to seeing my patients and writing the book and everything to really focus on goopellas and go outside of my comfort zone in a major way because it's not talking about health and all the time it's not talking about functional medicine all the time even though we do touch upon it it's about other stuff but i'll tell you what me consulting patients really has helped me to talk on the podcast because i have to hold a pace i have to hold space for people but I also have to hold pace because we have a specific time amount and holding the rhythm of the conversation. All that stuff is stuff that I've just learned intuitively over my years of consulting patients online. So it's cool that I could bring that to Goopfellas, but at the same time, it is outside of my comfort zone, which really brings about a really great conversation, I think, in each episode because it is just real and raw and kind of people- sharing stuff that oftentimes on the episode and even myself we've never shared before in a public space. So it's really cool to to have be a part of that experience.
1: And you know what I'm curious about and I'm sure listeners have had experience with something similar is there's always this idea whether should I start my own thing from scratch and do everything myself maybe with my team on my own or should I partner up with an existing brand or with someone else and do it together? I'm curious in your experience, how has it been working with an existing brand, with an existing platform, with another person in it? Because from what I imagine, it takes much more listening, diplomacy, and working together than just recording from your own closet and uploading things from there.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Really great question. See, the bar is already met. I mean, that's a great question. I would say this. I love Because my day job is not podcasting and my day job is like patients and I'm immersed in that, it's really nice to have a team that can put the time in as far as editing is concerned and dealing with all the back end stuff that I don't have time for. And I don't want to spend my time doing that. I want to consult patients and and I love the conversation itself. I don't want to be into the mud and mire of dealing with the logistical stuff. So it's really nice in many ways because they c- can handle the scheduling of the guests. They can deal with all the editing stuff. I just need to read an amazing book from the guests and do a little bit of research about them and just have a awesome conversation with somebody and then go back to seeing patients. So I like, the, I like that standpoint. It's just easier in many ways. And I like the collaborative nature of it. I think it's a lot of fun to sit down with Seamus, my co-host and friend. And talk about how we want the show to go and what we want to cover with each guest. So I like that. But it definitely is a balancing act. It's, you know, with a certain amount, you know, we're not Joe Rogan. We don't have like a five hour interview. (laughs) We have a limited time. So it does take a bit of balancing, but it's good. And Seamus and I have found our rhythm with the show. Being friends, you know, off the podcast as well. I think it helped itself. And going back to me, consulting patients, it does help me kind of feel the space of the room. And even if I'm not there, like most of the time I'm with the guests, but sometimes like I'm patching in or Seamus is patching in because he's in LA most of the time. I'm in Pittsburgh most of the time, or I'm in New York or going to LA and we're all in, not always in the same city. Together And then we're also not always in the same city with the guest. So that takes a bit of space holding too and finding that rhythm and frequency when it's not right in front of you. But I'm used to that too, because most of my patients are online. So a lot of this stuff has lent itself to not being as difficult as I thought it would be. But I like the collaboration component of it. I think the uh, Goop is an amazing group of people. Like I love them. They're just amazing. Elise is fantastic. Wendy's amazing. And Kiki and Justine, like all but the team around the podcast are really sweet people. So it's fun to work with them.
1: Yeah, I remember I actually got to run into you at the In Goop Health event earlier this year. And that was my first Goop event. And I got so much from it. From just personal knowledge that I can apply to my business as well, to connections, industry connections that just came naturally by me sitting next to other people and running into friends old and new. It was just such a special gathering. And I also loved that the Goop platform really takes risks in the conversations they cover from psychedelics and ketamine treatments to mental health and things that a lot of traditional media, I think, would be very wary about bringing up.
0: I totally agree with you. They're very smart on content and it's so easy for people on the outside to judge or to like say snarky things when you see it in the blog sphere or on TV or on other podcasts. I don't I feel like if people really looked at the content and read it beyond the sensational stuff that people like to pick up like the jade egg joke that it's just it's just tired now but basically there's so much good stuff in wellness and they're having the top of whatever space they're talking about they're having some top thought leaders in that space talking about this so we're talking about microdosing and ketamine and psychedelics or they're talking about some new wave therapy of some sort or different advancements in healthcare. Or just relationship stuff, like the best therapists out there. So, I mean, like you said, go to one of those events and listen to the content and it's really thoughtful stuff. And there is so much great collaborative energy there too, where you can meet people and expand your influence in a positive way.
1: What about digital wellness? Is that something you guys plan talking about on your podcast?
0: You mean as far as like relationship with technology?
1: Yeah. Mental health around it, creating boundaries.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's a great topic. If we touched upon it on air or not, I know we have talked about it off air. I might have to think about each interview and what made the cut or not. But absolutely, if we haven't talked about it yet, we will talk about it fully over the coming months with the different experts we have coming up on Goopfellas. And it's something that I talk a lot about with my patients. And we have whole sessions where we're consulting them about their relationship with technology. Because, I mean, we can all, as human beings, Past a certain age, remember a time when there wasn't social media, there wasn't smartphones, there wasn't this barrage of technology. All you have to do is go to any public setting and look at an airport, or look at, you know, really any place, and you'll look at the vast amount of human beings staring at their phone. Just 10 years ago, 13 years ago, that wasn't really the case. I mean, things have changed very dramatically over a very short period of time. And we are basically one big social experiment on what this is going to do to us on a health level, which I talk to patients about, but also not just their physical health, but their relationship health. And obviously I'm lumping mental health with physical health because you can't separate the two. mental health is physical health, mind-body connection there, but the physiology impacts neurochemistry, mental health, but vice versa too. Mental emotions and thoughts impact physiology. It's bi-directional. So we look at all of those components in functional medicine. So that's absolutely should be a part of healthcare. It should be a part of people's awareness just as a person On what is your relationship with technology? It's a double edged sword. It's a good thing in the sense that we are connecting to people all around the world right now that's listening to this. Fantastic. I consult my patients online. Fantastic. But then there's this, there's no checks and balances for the average person. It's this inundation, this sort of endless vortex of content. And our genetics, our biochemistry, our health is not adapted to this. And I think you're seeing that with the level of depression and anxiety and suicide amongst teenagers and young adults. You're looking at the impact that's having on marriages, on relationships, in the workplace, the the productivity of work. The amount of times that we check our phone is insane. We need to find that rhythm, that healthy balance. And we are learning as we go along. People that are woke and wired. People that are, that are aware of what's going on here uh, need to, whether that's putting your phone on airplane mode, whether that's turning off all notifications like I do, whether that is putting it in a basket when you get home and not touching it, whether it's leaving it when you're at work and focus on work, put it on silent away from you so you don't see anything. It's those type of things that people need to start cultivating in their life to create a a balance again because we've lost that balance in many ways.
1: Mm, I'm so excited to get into it, and the way you framed it is just such a perfect foundation to jump from. So, digital well being is part of functional medicine approach to wellness. You know, you touched on our relationship with technology being very related to our physical health, and I think there's so many aspects of that from diet culture to even entrepreneurial culture, or any profession, you know, what we do is we go on the internet, we follow people in our industry and in our niche, and we look at what, what they're doing. And then we compare because that's what, just what our human brain does. And the point that really helps me see the bigger perspective is actually a point that Gary Vee brings up, I got to see him live last week, and it was just so invigorating. And he, you know, I'm paraphrasing my own words, he talks about The fact that everyone right now thinks that Instagram is the thing and we give it so much energy and attention. And the truth is, you know, from my personal experience, yes, it's a tool that can allow us to grow our online presence, our influence, our connections, our bank accounts, our fulfillment, everything. From my experience, it can really impact everything. But at the same time, Instagram is not the thing. It's a tool and it might change any day. And so for us as humans, I think it's important to remember that First of all, Instagram is not the all and all. And second of all, we all need to intentionally create boundaries so that we don't end up spending all day comparing our bodies, our achievements, our bank accounts, our cars, our travels to strangers on the internet.
0: Oh, It's so important. We're judging our own life against someone's highlight reel that's filtered and looks pretty. And it's just one snapshot of what they want you to see. It's not even the totality and the breadth and the depth of their life. So it's absolutely, we have a funny phrase for it, culturally, you know, FOMO, but it's actually a problem. It's actually impacting people's anxiety and depression and fatigue, and it's impacting their sleep and their circadian rhythm and their stress levels. It's fear of missing out or the constant comparison and paralysis of analysis and, you know, inadequacy it's an amplifier of all the yucky stuff of the human emotion that we all had prior to social media, but it's just brought it to the surface and amplified it to a degree that the human race has never seen before because it's somehow, you know, quote unquote connecting us. And in some ways it is obviously this conversation, I consult patients online. I get that there is aspects of connectivity that we wouldn't get otherwise, but It's this ultimate paradox, this ultimate juxtaposition that while we are quote-unquote connected on social media, people feel more isolated than ever because it's this vapid false sense of connection. And you cannot fully replicate connectivity, human-to-human contact. You cannot fully replicate community. You cannot fully replicate social networks and social support systems online You can do a good job at replicating it, but it's never going to be the real thing. It's a hologram at best. So we need to realize that while technology is great, we need to find its place and put it in its place and not make it, like you said, the thing. It's not the thing. Life is the thing, but we need to find that balance again.
1: Yes. I love everything you're saying. And I actually want to challenge it because I think on a human level, you're absolutely right. We can't experience the same level of connection online as we do on a human level in person but at the same time the soul level connection in the hologram as you said I remember years ago I took like an energy workshop I think it was it wasn't chigan but it was something similar and the teacher the master was teaching us how to create holograms of ourselves and how working with the field of the hologram actually can have a bigger and faster impact than working with the human body itself, because there's no shield. So that's something metaphysical for all of you listeners to ponder.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. In many ways, it may be the vessel that we have for it. You know, like We don't have the vessel to contain all the content and information and Like the impact that, I mean, even on the level of connecting or the information you're getting about friends or people that you see on social media, the human body and the vessel that we have, the spirit and soul that we have, may not have the vessel to contain the amount of information we're taking in, in many ways, and it's creating this mental health epidemic. So it's it's quite interesting. And again, it's a double-edged sword. There's great things that come out of technology, obviously, but we also see the other side of it. So we need to, I think that there's a way to have the best of technology, but also have a soundness and the sustainability to it from a human health and human relationship health standpoint.
1: So let's get into the weight because, well, you're someone who talks about loving your body as an access point to ultimate health. And something you said in our previous interview is you can't heal a body you hate. I got so much response to that after posting that on the Breakfast Criminals account. I actually posted it several times because people, new people find it every time. And I just get messages of people being blown away how much it resonates and your latest Instagram post actually starts with the words, diets are dead. And I'm curious, as someone who promotes and supports people in creating and cultivating a loving relationship with their bodies, how, when you work with patients, how do you think about digital world, self-love, and saying goodbye to diets?
0: Yeah. And that's the ultimate nuance and context. And to this conversation that I have as a functional medicine practitioner, because I talk about food a lot. And my job is to use food as medicine and get to the root cause of why people are going through what they're going through from an evidence-based standpoint. But we talk a lot about food. So, and at the same time, I'm saying, you can't heal a body you hate and you cannot like shame your way with another, you know, diet or punish your body with another diet and diets are dead and things like this. What I'm saying is we need to shift our paradigm to our relationship with food and our relationship with our body and the relationship with ourselves. And we, I think, are suffering as a culture from significant, you know, food fatigue, like dieting disillusionment that What's up and what's down? What the heck should I be eating? And we have a, and that's that directly, they're both rising at the same time. The amount of content and information, and oftentimes conflicting information of Dr. Google, paired with directly proportional, the uprising of real autoimmune reactivity problems as well. And that can be a perfect storm because you have a lot of people that are struggling with inflammatory issues and that are looking for answers because they've tried all the things that conventional medicine has for it. They've tried the meds, they've tried this and tried that, and they're still struggling and they're having food reactivities. They're having problems with food, even healthy foods are causing the problem. So that phenomenon is going on in our culture. And at the same time, you have this growing, expansive vortex of conflicting information that is the internet and social media. So that's creating a problem. That's creating orthorexia to a level that we've never seen before, in my opinion, that's disordered eating and shame and stress and anxiety about healthy eating. And it's creating other disordered eatings. And it's creating, again, the other mental health issues. We talked about anxiety, depression, and it's stressing us out and amplifying all the real physiological healthy things that Health problems that are going on. So, it is a phenomenon that I see a lot at consulting patients is that they are disillusioned. They are, it's creating this very negative relationship and stress response that they're having with technology because it is triggering them in a major way because it's just too much information and they don't know what to do. So, it's my job to sort of let's untangle this and finding out what your body loves, what your body hates. Use food as medicine, but let's, let's find out how to nourish your body instead of like punishing your body with a diet. Let's love your body enough to feed it good things and using self-care as a form of self-respect and also to create stability in the body, both physiologically like lowering inflammation, creating hormone balance, helping uh, the gut balance. And that allows clarity for intuition to be more clearly heard so people can then eat intuitively once again but it's hard to eat intuitively when your body is in a storm of inflammation it's hard to eat intuitively because you don't is it intuition or is it hangriness is it intuition or is it hormone imbalance is it you know the blood sugar fluctuations or you know volatility roller coaster that people have i want people to get to the place of intuition uh, and you have to first do that to create physiological clarity so they can have that intuition shine more brightly. And that's what my whole book, my second book, uh, The Inflammation Spectrum, is about. It's finding out what your body loves, what your body hates, and getting to the place where you can have food peace and have food freedom to not have all this sort of confusion, both on a physiological level and a informational level online.
1: So much there. I totally hear what you're saying there's so much information. And oftentimes, you know, the thing that struck me out of everything you just said is sometimes we can harm ourselves by eating foods that we think are healthy. Can you speak more to that? Is it because, you know, the optimal diet is different for everyone, and that's why you bring it all back to intuition? Or is it because there's just a lot of disinformation out there?
0: A bit of both. I think that there's a a really a, a higher level of intestinal permeability issues or what they commonly refer to as leaky gut syndrome and this larger autoimmune inflammation spectrum that I talk about in the book, uh, where even healthy foods are causing reactions. So you can say like the healthiest food under the sun or whatever that is, and it's gonna work great for some person, but the next person it's gonna cause a flare up. If someone like, and I see this with vegetables, I see this with certain meats, I see this with you know different fruits, where you will have for various different reasons that I explore in the book, you will have reactivities to a certain food. But that doesn't mean that food is bad across the board. It just means it's not working for your body. It's somehow creating this inflammatory response. And a lot of it is gut-centric inflammation, meaning it's due to some inflammatory intestinal permeability or some dysbiosis or something going on in the gut that's causing that upregulation or increase of inflammation. But at the same time, I think there is a lot of misinformation though, too, because there could be quote unquote healthy things that could be consumed in too high levels. And people think, well, it's healthy. It it should be uh, great to have, but it may just be too much of it. So like different healthier types of sugar or, you know, things that are things that could be problematic in, in excess. Just because it's healthier doesn't mean it's optimal for you. And that's kind of the question that I want to explore for people to do their own life experiment, look at food and how to best nourish your body so you can have vibrant wellness, but also look at the non-food stuff because it's not just about food. And we have to look at our, what is our setting around which we eat? Because sometimes, you know, I can have a patient eat something at home and they'll have a certain reaction to it, but they go on vacation and have that same thing and they won't have that reaction to it. So, It's this melting pot, this confluence of several different factors, not just the food itself, that creates the response that people are seeing. And that's the larger conversation around stress and technology and all the stuff that we are seeing in our world today. And what's the vehicle, like what's the environment that you're even eating your food in? Like what, how are you, where are your stress levels? How are you eating? What's the food sourcing? All of that stuff are things that we need to be thinking about if we aren't feeling our best. And, I, and that's how I start the inflammation spectrum book. Is for people to like take inventory of their health, because a lot of times people think you know they they are going through something every day, and then they somehow equate it with just normal. And something I think we talked about last conversation, you know, ubiquity doesn't necessarily equate normalcy. That just because something's pervasive and and commonplace doesn't necessarily mean it's physiologically normal. It just means you're going through something quite abnormal every day, and. That's my functional medicine experience of taking people through the inflammation spectrum and looking at the different sections on the spectrum, which I classify and go through the seven main sections and the brain and the gut and the hormones and the muscles and joints and the detoxification system and all these different systems of the body and saying what's actually normal, what's not, and where are you on the inflammation spectrum? Because at that point, people can take agency on their wellness and their life to actually start feeling better. Because that low grade fatigue, that background anxiety, that sluggish GI system, you know, bowel movements, those things are not normal. They're just very common. And you can look around to your friends and family or your coworkers and you'll find similar health issues. But that doesn't mean it's, it's normal either. It just means it's very common. And you could look at the rise of chronic health problems. It's quite common. But it's not normal. And these things are largely reversible, overcomable, healable things in most cases, largely. So, why would we want to settle for anything less to start moving the needle of the quality of our life in a positive direction?
1: Okay, I'm going to put a placeholder right here because I'm sure a lot of you guys listening are taking the note down to buy the book, The Inflammation Diet. And before you go on Amazon and go the usual route, as a fellow entrepreneur and Amazon seller, I know that when you sell something in Amazon, you're not making a lot of money. Most of it goes back to the Amazon and the storage and the warehouse and shipping. So how can people buy the book in a way that actually supports your work to create more of what you're already doing?
0: I appreciate that. Yeah. So the inflammation spectrum, it's on, it's, you can get it on Amazon anywhere else because my main job is seeing patients. I, you're right. With when you have a publishing deal with books and Amazon, all this stuff, it's books for the most part are not major money makers unless you're like the like exception, like phenomenon, like my friend Melissa Hartwig Urban with Whole 30. Like, there are exceptions to that rule, but most books aren't monolithic money makers. But I think if people want to support what I do in functional medicine, they could check out drwillcole.com if functional medicine resonates with them. We offer one-on-one consulting. We also offer, I'm super excited about this, online group classes because my goal over the past year was to continue to make functional medicine more accessible, more affordable to people. So I'm super pumped about the group classes because I can talk to 100 people in one class and that allows me to lower the cost, lower the overhead, um, but still give them functional medicine labs and keep it HIPAA compliant and provide that telehealth experience for people that maybe don't want the one-on-one care, which is still my main day-to-day schedule. But once a month, we're holding these online group classes. And then we also have video classes for people who want just the virtual experience, not live with me. And they also can, we have other products, like different natural medicine supplement protocols on the website. And I'm super pumped about this new product line that we're, it's called Calm Yourself. And it's a blend of different herbs and micronutrients that we talk about in the inflammation spectrum. So the goal is to calm stress, create mental relaxation, and also to lower inflammation levels. So I'm super excited about that. And those are mine. And that's all at drwillcole.com.
1: What's in Calm Yourself? Is it turmeric or not?
0: Yeah, it's a blend of turmeric, some natural medicines to upregulate liver detoxification pathways like uh, N-acetylcysteine and glutathione cofactors and adaptogens, which I think we talked about adaptogens last time, but it's blends of adaptogens to help with the brain adrenal stress response. So yeah, it's, it's calming stress and calming inflammation. That's the main, it's three bottles in a box. The box is really pretty, which, which is not important, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm a sucker for like aesthetics. So it looks nice and it will really work because it's all peer reviewed research-based natural medicines, top line quality stuff.
1: You're just unstoppable. Well, don't talk to you in like a few months and you have a new product line, a new book, all these online classes.
0: Oh man. I just, it's, I love this stuff. I like I've been into wellness when I was a little kid in like the 80s in rural Pennsylvania. So I, it's just always been in my bones, so to speak, as far as me being into this way of life. And it's expanded. It's evolved. It's changed. Obviously, it's a career now. It's not just something that I grew up with, but it's really cool to see it come to fruition. And in, in my own personal belief is where God has taken me in this space. And my goal is just to continue to be a vessel for what I'm supposed to be doing in this lifetime. So yeah, it's really cool. I appreciate you saying that. I have an amazing team around me too. It's not just me, but yeah, we love what we do.
1: So how did the wellness experience look like back then when you were a kid in rural Pennsylvania?
0: Oh boy. Yeah. So that was like before the wellness industry. Now it's so like glossy, right? Where I'm, I'm when you look at the amazing outlets today, like Goop and uh, other comparables, and the wellness world was not like that. It was definitely not as glossy. It was crunchier <laughs> in many ways, and it was. And it's funny because outside of Pittsburgh, where I'm based today, is I I live not too far, like maybe forty minutes from um, where I'm at today. Is where I grew up, and it was farm country. And it was, you know, it definitely was not the Mecca. It's not Abbot Kinney. It's not Soho. It was, and it's still not today. And, but yet I grew up like going to the local co-op and getting the sprouted, you know, cereals, the Organic produce, the pasture-raised eggs, the raw dairy, all the stuff that we did, and like strange adaptogenic tonics and like these weird mineral elixirs that my parents would buy. Yeah, so it was a cool experience, and I didn't really realize that wasn't you know common until like you start growing up and you realize, well, like this is not that's not in everybody's home, <laughs> and you know it's a definitely as a parent today. I, I like I have like an understanding I think for my kids like and it's way more advanced and progressed now than it was in the 80s and 90s. It's definitely even today. It's very kids can be mean. They like tease, but I I bring to my kids' attention that this is like not something to be shamed about. The fact that you're choosing for yourself to eat whole real foods. And my kids aren't perfect. I'm not saying that they eat immaculately all the time, but they normally have better versions of it over the conventional versions. And that's in our culture where there's such a massive food industry and most kids eat the same way. It is, my kids are used to just navigating menus and they know what to get and what not to get. And they've owned it for themselves, but it's all coming from a place like from as far as my wife and I from a place of grace and a place of lightness and a place of not judging other people. It's just, this is about you for my son or you for my daughter and saying, how can you love your body enough to feed it good things? And that doesn't mean you can't have fun with food. And it doesn't mean you have to eat like a rabbit all the time. You can enjoy really decadent, yummy food and use food as delicious medicine. But when you look at the food industry that we have today, like it was bad when I was growing up, it's really bad now. And it is interesting, but going back to the, your original question, like it was cool, but it's definitely informed the foundation of, I think, where I'm at today and like how I see the world. And the more I learned, the more I grew. And, you know, as they say, when you know better, you do better. And I definitely didn't do things as optimally growing up, but the more I learned, the more I'm hopefully evolving and, and shifting my ways, the more that I learn.
1: When you know better, you do better. Isn't that Maya Angelou? Uh, On Oprah Winfrey, she talks about that. Yeah, I
0: think that is Maya Angelou.
1: All right. So as soon as you said something yummy and decadent, I thought of something specific. What did you think about?
0: I probably, yummy and decadent. What do I love? You know, I love the yummy and decadent, but also the first thing that comes to mind, I love this grain-free, it's almond flour, blueberry, like cobbler that my wife makes. That's like sweetened with just the blueberries and like lemon zest and it has this amazing like crust on it, but it's, it's grain-free. It's made with almond flour. And we bake it and it comes out. And it's like this amazing, like better than cake experience. That to me is like super yummy, super decadent and delicious. But it's just real foods. It's lemon juice, blueberries, and almond flour. That's basically it. So that to me is like a perfect example of something that Am I going to have it every day? No, I'm not going to have it every day. But it's something that's really delicious, that's even better than any junk food sweet treat that people are having.
1: Is the recipe out there?
0: Oh, yeah. The recipe's out there. A friend of mine's book, I'm going to give her a shout out, is Danielle Walker. It's Her brand name is called Against All Grain. It's in one of her cookbooks. I don't know which one. But if you Google it, you probably Google it. But uh, Danielle Walker is an amazing cookbook author. I'm
1: going to be looking that up. Yeah. Awesome. So continuing on the specifics, one of the things we touched on is that in the glossy wellness culture we're in, that's also a double-edged sword. One is that it definitely makes wellness more accessible to more people, but at the same time, it confuses the hell out of us. So what are some specific foods, drinks, powders, trends you see that we should think twice about before overdoing it or including into our diet every day?
0: It's a good question. So, I mean, you are amazing at this. Can I just say that? Like, again, you are so good at this. I would say I'm the master of this too because every time someone asks me like, what's the best like health food out there? And I <laughs> I say, well, this, but for some people, not everybody, if you do this, like I'm giving all the caveats to like <laughs> why it may not be best for you because that's the heart of what I do. If I hung my hat on one thing for everybody, it'd be proven wrong all day long. It's bio-individuality. And it's the heart of functional medicine and what I, I write about. So, one thing that comes to mind here is the butter coffees. And I love Dave Asprey. Mm-hmm. I love Bulletproof. Like, I, he's a great guy and, and a great company and they're doing amazing things. But for some, and I would say it's better than what other people are normally having for breakfast. Let me just say that too. But better doesn't always mean optimal for you. So there's some issues going on here that I'm seeing here phenomenon with this intermittent fasting in the morning, having the butter coffee in the morning. And it's good in a way because you're getting the caffeine, you're getting the healthy fats, it's fueling your brain. I'm obviously a fan of getting healthy fats into your diet. There's no secret about that. But the liquid fats and they're largely saturated liquid fats, the ghee or the butter and the coconut oil, They can be problematic for some people in two different ways. And especially if someone's having it every day, because this is maybe if you have it sporadically, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person that's having it every day religiously because that's what they read in an article or that's what they heard in the wellness blogosphere.
1: Hey, that used to be me. I take responsibility for sure. And I'm so curious to hear what's coming.
0: And you know, I have it too. Sometimes I'm not demonizing it at all, but we're talking about bioindividuality, guys. And I still think that having the butter coffee is better than having like the junk food breakfast, like the donut. Don't get me wrong on that, but let's talk about caveats. The caveat here is that there is a lot of intestinal permeability going on in the world or what they call leaky gut syndrome. There's some increased intestinal permeability that you'll see in a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people. And that liquid fat has been shown with people that have intestinal permeability to have higher amount of what are called gram-negative bacteria, which are higher in what are called lipopolysaccharides or LPS. Those bacterial endotoxins that are on these gram-negative bacteria can pass through the gut lining when you're having that, that liquid fat, largely saturated fat, and increase something called endotoxemia, basically just driving up inflammation to various degrees. Sometimes it's mild, sometimes it's more, but it's contributing to inflammation levels to some degree for some people. And then the other caveat is there are some gene SNPs that again have been around for 10,000 years. The gene SNPs are not new, but it's the amount of stress that we're putting in genetics under that's the main variable epigenetics. But with that said, we have to look at genetics when it's clinically relevant and substantial evidence towards it, but the APOE gene SNPs, you can have APOE 3.4 and APOE 4.4. The APOE 4.4, meaning they have two copies of that four gene allele, and then 3.4 has one copy of that four gene allele. They have increased risk of Alzheimer's. They have increased risk of cardiovascular risk factors. So it's not just the butter coffee's fault, but it's the amount of, if they're having that and they're having other saturated fats throughout the day, that could be problematic. And you'll see that. we can run labs and measure C-reactive protein. That's an inflammatory marker. In functional medicine, we want CRP to be under one. And you can see like, wow, someone's having like this good like keto drink in the morning. I wrote Ketotarian. I'm a fan of clean keto, mostly plant-based keto. I think coconut oil can be amazing, but coconut oil doesn't work for everybody. And these people are, are the people I'm talking about. People with APOE3-4 four and 4-4 four, four, and people with this bacterial dysbiosis with the gram-negative bacteria and the LPS, like bacterial toxins. If you have lots of coconut oil and butter and ghee, that could be problematic. Small amount will be fine. Maybe, but having it all day, every day, or every day isn't always going to be best. You can measure inflammation levels. You can also measure cardiovascular like lipid panels. You could run what's called a nuclear magnetic resonance or NMR test and look at the subfractionation of lipids, basically just measuring the particles that carry cholesterol. Simple blood tests. I actually talk about them in the inflammation spectrum in the book and in Ketotarian um, because people can be mindful of that stuff and seeing what's right for themselves. And these gene SNPs, like the ApoE, and there's another one called ApoA2, that more saturated fats is associated with increased weight gain. And obviously genetics are very complex. I don't want to hang my hat on one gene snip and say, well, that's the totality of their health. Definitely not the case. It's more complex than that. And body is a big, has a lot more depth than just one gene snip. But I would say as a functional medicine practitioner, I have seen numbers like inflammation levels or cardiovascular risk factors come up if they're having too much of this quote-unquote healthy thing that may not be right for themselves. So that's the bigger conversation that I'm having with my patients, but now in the inflammation spectrum of bio-individuality. I love, you know, butter coffees and coconut oil coffees for people that it's good for them, but I think they should check in with themselves and see what's right for them.
1: Here's my question. As a doctor, do you will think that people can intuitively identify whether it's good for them, or does it require extensive lab testing?
0: Sometimes it it, it does take lab testing because when you're looking at high C-reactive protein, you're not always going to feel that. When it looks like like an NMR test, like the advanced lipid panel that we run for patients, you can't always see if you're in pattern B, which is the more like higher levels of the small dense LDL particles that you don't want. There's like little BB bullets that can be problematic for the body. We want these sort of fluffy cotton ball particles. You can't always measure that in how you feel subjectively. So I think that getting like a basic checkup from a functional medicine practitioner or a general practitioner or PCP that's just willing to run the labs because all the labs that I mentioned are labs that you can have from your local doctor. You don't have to have someone like me run them. And they're low cost too. They're not expensive. But oftentimes you can also see symptoms too. Like how's your digestion? How's your, how's your like muscle tightness and soreness? How's your Mental health, how's your energy levels long term? I think these can also be subjective check engine lights that something underneath the hood, proverbially speaking, is not as you know functioning at optimal capacity.
1: So powerful. I'm so excited to dive into the book, and I have so many questions, and I have a feeling I'll find a lot of them in the book. So I know I got to let you go to your patients, and before I do, I wanna see if we can use the last couple of minutes to dive into whatever else is making you feel woke right now. Oh man,
0: I'm super excited about the group class, which I said already. I'm really excited about that online group class. Really excited about the book. I'm in like full book mode, like with the inflammation spectrum. Also the quiz, I didn't mention this, but we made the quiz that's in the book. We put it online. So people, maybe they don't wanna get the book right away. They wanna just kind of put what we've been talking about in this conversation as far as inflammation and the inflammation spectrum they can take to see where their inflammation levels are. And that's a larger conversation for people that don't know. But inflammation is the commonality between just about every health problem out there. I mean, from autoimmune conditions to digestive problems to even mental health issues like anxiety and depression and fatigue and brain fog. These the scientific literature suggests, have inflammatory components, if not being full-blown chronic inflammatory problems. So I want to really raise the awareness of the impact inflammation could have on our health and the the far-reaching different conditions that inflammation is associated with. And then most importantly, like what to do about it. And having this exploration of using food as medicine on a bio-individual level, but also looking at these non-food things and the impact that stress and poor sleep and you know physical activity too much or too little and finding that rhythm and finding that balance that works for your life and i think you know so much of our universe operates at optimal frequency and when it's in balance. When you look at inflammation, inflammation is inherent, inherently bad. It's, it's a part of our immune system. We need balanced inflammation levels. Our gut bacteria, like those gram-negative bacteria that I mentioned with the LPS, they're not inherently bad. We all have gram-negative bacteria. We just need balance. When you look at our hormones, it's, we need balance. We are a microcosm of the universe. And you look at our environment, the world needs balance. And what we're doing both on a macro and a micro level to break the Goldilocks principle in our bodies and in our pla- on our planet is a problem. And that we are just, you know, on a every human being is like a just a microcosm of what's going on environmentally, is that when you see climate change going on because of what we've done to pollute the earth, that pollution's also happening on an individual level and we have personal climate change in the form of inflammation going on here. So that's what's really invigorating me in a way that obviously as a functional medicine practitioner I've talked about for a long time, but I think immersing myself in the research of this book has reinvigorated me in a new way to really empower people in their own life that maybe won't ever consult with me, but can get a book in their hand or get a video class in their life to say like, how can I start empowering my life to bring more balance into my life? Not just on a physical level, but this conversation around technology, this conversation around relationships, this conversation with physical activity? How can we find equilibrium again? And I think that's what has me woke lately.
1: You're inspiring yourself to be activists of our own body's health, because I, I really see it as a first step to having the energy and the clarity to be an activist for something bigger. And I think there's nothing selfish about it. So thank you for that reminder. Thank you. All right. So what's the best way for everyone to connect with you?
0: everything's at drwillcole.com that's d-r-w-i-l-l-c-o-l-e.com and they can we offer a free webcam evaluation for people that want to see like if functional medicine is right for them we offer a lot of free content on the site as well as they can pre-order the book and try out the natural medicine protocols we have on there so it's all there at drwillcole.com
1: thank you so much well thank you friend If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on wokeandwired.com and also join the Woke and Wired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at wokeandwired. Stay woke Stay wired and take three deep breaths right now.